Elizabeth implemented a new rule at the house on the shoes. She, now I'm at the stage where if I get a new pair of shoes, I have to get rid of a pair of shoes. Oh, okay. okay. That's where we're at with the shoe problem. Well, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily have a shoe problem. I, I feel like, you know, my wife kind of gets aggravated with going to the, going to the uh, door and picking up Amazon boxes when I order one. And I really don't have a lot. I just go through them, you know. Those Amazon people, they are the nicest people, aren't they? they yeah, just yeah. Bring stuff yeah, they, all they, the time. Yeah. And my daughter orders stuff from them all the time. I, I think one time she probably missed a day ordering, and I, I, feel like the, I felt like the Amazon guy was probably going to drop off a sympathy card. <laughs> because they become such figured, good friends. Yeah, something was wrong. Something was wrong. But Rust, Bam Bam, I, I was about to call you Rusty. I can't call you Rusty in here. You're Bam Bam in this podcast studio, yeah, I guess. take on my stage now. Man, have you missed this? I have. I have. I've I was going through podcast here. withdrawal a little bit. Yeah, I was too. I, I, you know, whenever it was first over with, you know, we were together there every day for a while doing it. I, Dude, I missed you. I mean, <laughs> it, was, I, it was bad. So, I want to I tell everybody, I was – you know, we finished up our last series, which was awesome. That was the first time you had been co-host. And yep, yep. Um, and so after that, we were getting ready for the next series. And every once in a while, I'd, I'd turn around at my desk, and you'd be standing there at my door. And I thought, well, what's Rusty doing? Is something wrong? Is everything okay? And he'd say, you're like, I just want to see how you're doing. Yeah, yeah. How's your day been? Yep. And then after two or three times of that, I realized, I said, Man, he's bonding with yeah. me right now. We we're we bros. are doing co-host we're bonding yeah. right now, and uh, I thought, man, that is a that's the kind of co-host you want right there. Yeah. He's getting yeah. to know me. We I feel like we've kind of crossed over into. Well, and I wanted to keep my job too, you know. At, at here, were you? To, did you think it was in question? I well, I didn't know. I, I just I knew you had gotten a co-host that may or may not enunciate everything clearly, but you know. I understand everything you say, Bam Bam. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I actually talking about the last series. I think somebody did a survey. I actually still owe you lunch off of that because you beat me with the. I believe it was Tim Frank's mm-hmm. episode. But well, they did in a all survey. fairness, I think seventeen million people said that they thought I was robbed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did. They didn't miss a few of your uh, points in that. I. But also, I in all fairness, I had the intro, which gave me a huge oh, advantage. God, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Started off behind the eight ball. But that was good, man. I, I really had a great time with that one. Learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, met a lot of nice, interesting people. Uh, great partners of ours. And uh, I thought it was good. Um, I'm excited for this one. Are well, you? you got invited back. Yeah, yeah, I You did. still I in? Did. I was excited about that. I'm. I did. I'm I'm uh, I'm ready for this one. I'm I think it's gonna be a good one. Can I tell you? I, so I was riding into work this morning, and I I usually I'll call my dad in the mornings on the way in. Yeah. Because he's about the only one up at that time. Yeah. And so I'll call him and we talk, and uh, he said, "What are you doing today?" And I said, "We got a podcast recording today." And he paused and he said, "I'm sorry. I 
I thought you worked for a grading company. (laughs) (laughs) That's keeping it real right there. That was it. That was his, that was it. I said, I do work for a grading company. I said, but we have a podcast. He said, yeah, I don't. So you, said, you talk to your dad every morning? I talk to him most I, mornings. I talk to mine every morning, too. I call him. No. When I leave the house, that's the first thing I do is, is call my dad and, and talk to him. You know, I got to line him out. You know, I got to straighten him out. You know, but he gives me my instructions for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a good time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Dad set yeah. me straight this morning. He, he said, he's. He said, Brandon, maybe I'm just old school. He said, but back in the day when I was in construction, he said, you know, grading companies, they focused on moving dirt, yeah, not yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. I told well, him. Well, that's what, I said, you know, that's what's good about this. That's what we're bringing the focus to. That's what this whole series is about. We're yeah. going out to the field. We're going out to where the dirt gets moved. You know, yeah. we've had a lot of guests in here, great guests, and we've talked about leadership. We've talked to the owners of the company about how they got started. Uh, we're go, we're going out to the field. Yeah, it's time to bring it back to the to the guys in the seats out there that's making it happen for us. All right, you got us a good guest lined up today. You even cut your hair. I did. I cut my hair, but I got it covered up. What? Why? You, I didn't have time to fix it this morning. I, I didn't have time. To it fix. looks it looks fixed. It, it's not. It's not really fixed. It's not doing right. <laughs> you know, this damp weather's making it frizz up a little bit. All right, we got to get to work. You ready? Man, we got to get to work. All right. We got to do it. The sound of that tractor means it's time for us to go to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast powered by Hoopot Graining Company. I am Brandon. This is Bam Bam, and we are your hosts. All right, Bam Bam. All right, Introduce so, us to your guest. So our guest today is a good friend of mine. Uh, I actually miss working with this guy. We used to work together um, in mining. Um, and he was born in Price, Utah. Uh, his whole family's been in mining. His dad, his uncles, his cousins, his grandpas, both his grandpas worked in mining. Um, graduated high school, went to the U.S. Navy, served in the Navy from 88 to 92. Yep. Um, started his mining career in 93 when he got out of the Navy. Uh, been, worked in both surface and underground mines for 30 years. He don't look that old. No, you don't. No, he don't. He don't look that old. Uh, he's worked in coal mines, gold mines, silver mines, nickel, copper mines. Started in safety in 2007, and he's been in it ever since. Uh, he's currently a safety manager at a mine, uh, and he's actually worked in six states. This is uh, Ron Lindsay. Ron, welcome to Give Us the Dirt podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah it's good yeah. to have you. Now, I'm also a Lindsay. Yeah, that's what I seen on the on the thing, and I was asking him about that. So. I was talking. I, we started off the episode. I was talking to Bam Bam about my conversation with my dad. I talked to him in the mornings. I said, "Dad, do we have any Lindsays out in Utah?" He said, "I don't know of any Lindsays out in Utah." <laughs> so, yeah. No, all of ours came from I think South Carolina. Um, well, Ron, thanks for being with us today. This is—is uh, is this your first podcast? Yeah, it is, and uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, kind of nervous, but excited. Nothing to be nervous about. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, so, we have no clue. Yeah, so you're in good company. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're you're yeah. good. We we are building this plane as we're flying it. So. All right. Well, Ron, tell us a little bit. So I've uh, I signed a piece of paper this morning that I would not mention the name of the company that you are working for right now, but it is also a mining company. 
Uh, trying to be a mining trying company. Trying to make, yeah. all right. Yeah. Can we talk, what do you mine at this company? Uh, I would just soon not yep. mention that. Yeah. <laughs> but you've mined all kinds of things yeah. throughout your mining career. Yes. Yes, I yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, do you have a favorite? Uh, I miss coal. I did coal most of the time. You know, that's where I cut my teeth, so to speak, in mining yeah. and, you know, just started out as a regular hand. I, I miss that because of the crew. You know, he is on a crew of, you know, seven to ten people and, you know, have that team feel, that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you've ever been in an underground coal mine. I actually took Rusty in one yeah, uh, yeah. in New Mexico. But it just the, the smell and, the, you know, the just the atmosphere and the camaraderie and that kind of stuff. So I miss that aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. that's So that would be my favorite. Yeah. The coal mines. Yeah. So that was your, that was your first. That uh, was my first, yeah. It so was I, coal I did mine. That, yeah. So I worked in Utah. uh Again, I grew up in Price, uh, worked for a small, I could be like a junior company, I guess. Uh, worked there 10 years. Uh, and then I moved to New Mexico, the Four Corners area, and worked for a pretty large company there, BHP Billiton. They're you know, one of the biggest mining companies or resource companies in the world, actually. And I worked there about 14 years, uh, underground coal, surface coal. And that's where I cut my teeth in safety was there. Uh, started in 2006, I believe, in safety there. And, uh, yeah, so learned a lot of stuff there. And then the uh, war on coal came. Yeah, yeah. And so I was thinking, ah, man, I like mining. It's good living. It's, it's what I know. And uh, so I moved from there to uh, Camden, South Carolina, and went to work with Rusty at the at the gold mine there. Stayed there a couple years. The... Uh, we have two daughters, me and my wife, and they were both in, in Utah and New Mexico at the time. And we thought, ah, let's try to get back closer to home. And so I took a job in southern Utah at a, at a open pit uh, copper mine, a little small place. Uh, wasn't that great of a place. I got there, uh, and about three months after there, they started going broke and going bankrupt. And I struggled for a year. I mean, I stayed on there the whole time, but finally got another job. A year later, and that's when we moved to the uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, Marquette, Michigan, and up there I worked at a underground uh, nickel and copper mine there, and I really liked it there. Stayed there three years. Uh, the winters were rough. It wasn't like brutal cold, but we averaged right around 200 inches of snow a year, and uh, and I really liked this, the Carolinas. We we liked it here. The weather. I love the hot. I love the humidity. I like to be sweaty. I don't know why that is, but I just like that. It feels good to me. And uh, so we wanted to get back here and uh, had an opportunity to come here now. And, and uh, so we're here now. Plus, all the kids are here. Uh, older daughter and her uh, husband are in uh, Cary. And then our younger daughter is in uh, Gastonia, close to us. So we're all in the same state. And so it's good. So this is where I want to stay. So this is home now. This, this is yeah, it. Yeah, for now. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think I'll move again just because... Uh, I don't think the wife would appreciate moving, <laughs> moving again. So, well, she's been rough. a trooper. She's, yeah, she's, uh, she's bared a lot of the burden, right? I get get a job and I get to go, and then she has to stay and pack and move. And yeah, it's not it's not too fair to her. So, yeah, yeah. I've met her. She is she is a great lady. She's oh, a she's she a saint. Yes, uh, yes. And I credit a lot of my success in my career. I don't know if that's how you say it, but just. You know, I, like I said, I started out, you know, I never went to college, never did any of that stuff and moved up, you know, but I credit a lot of that to her because she kind of pushed me that way, you know, told me, 
you know, you're not, you know, you're smart, you need to do this. And because coal is way different than, I don't know if you're familiar with mining a lot, but I know Rusty is, but like metal, non-metal mines, you can just be a competent person. They make you a supervisor. Well, in coal, it's totally different. You can't even be a lead man for two years. You have to take a state test. It's called the fire boss test. And then to be a foreman, you have to work for four years and take a test there as well. You have to take another state test. And then like electrical, if you want to be an electrician, there's a federal electrical test you have to take through MSHA. And, uh, and, and I did all that stuff. And, yeah, you're, and, and you're she actually, you know, she kind of, I wouldn't say pushed me, but she, hey, you're smart. You can do this and, and push me that. So I give a lot of my career credit to her because of that. You know, it's funny because I always tell everybody, you know, I'm the head of the household, but uh, she's the neck, right? So she supports me and she she's actually... Yeah, turns yeah. me into my head in the direction I go, just like your neck would, right? So I don't think people realize that about about spouses and how important they are. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're taking yeah. care of all that stuff while you're working away. So yeah, I give a lot of my credit to to her for helping me better myself. Is is your spouse your neck? Because I think that's a good way to put it. My spouse wants to break my neck. Yeah, mine does too. <laughs> mine really does a lot. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, you know what? They hats off to them because I know Elizabeth moved with me several times. I worked in my mining. I was at Martin Marietta for twenty years. Okay. And we moved around a lot during the, my the early years of my career, and Elizabeth would follow me, and I'd, I'd come home every once in a while, and I'd set a six pack on the table, and I'd say, "Honey, we need yeah. to talk." And she knew what that meant, yep. and uh, it meant we we had to move. Uh, but that's always tough, and this is home for us too, so yep. I'm glad you guys have finally settled. Ron, I was listening to Rusty talking a little bit about uh, – I keep calling you Rusty. I can't call you that in here. You're Bam Bam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So I was listening to Bam Bam talk about – Security. Yeah. <laughs> your, your background, and it sounds like you come from a long line of miners. The yeah, mid- yeah. I mean, so was there any doubt as you were growing up that that was what you were going to do? No. Uh, it's funny, you know how you have like career day in school? Yeah. And yeah. you have to write down the three things you want to do. I, I can remember this just like it was yesterday. I put, I wanted to be in the military. Uh, I, I'm proud of this country and, and I like that. Which, thank <clears throat> you for your service, Robert. Yeah. Yes. And then I put down I wanted to be a minor because, like I said, all, you know, the men in my family were minors. And then I put down, I wanted to be a rodeo clown. I, I always wanted to do that. I wanted to be, I, I, that's one of my favorite sports. I'm scared of horses and stuff like that, but I always wanted to do that. So I did two of the three things. So, Ron, I do know somebody that is in rodeo. Don't give up on that dream, Ron. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got the, friends that are the dream in it too, alive. So, but yeah, so yeah, I always wanted to do that. You know, I really looked up to my dad. He was my idol and, and my grandpa and, you know, my, I got cousins and, you know, uncles that did it. I think there was only one uncle that didn't work in the mine, and he was in the military his whole life. And yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of you know, I went in the Navy. People's like, why'd you pick the Navy? And 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 I had one grandpa. My mom's dad was in the Army, and my uncle on that side was in the Army. And then my dad's dad was in the Navy, and his brothers were in the Navy. So I just put a, I just put a a Navy and a army thing in a hat and grabbed one out and that's where I went. So oh, really? there's no rhyme or reason to why, you know, that's just how I did it. But yeah. So yeah, mining's been in my, in my blood and I like it. And, uh, yeah, made a lot of good friends and, and people that I talk to every week. Uh, I got a lot of like mentors or father figures, however you want to say it, that, uh, that I still talk to every day and, or at least once a week, you know, 
I call Rusty all the time, and we, you know, we kept in touch, and yeah, and yeah it's just a, and it's a small world that doesn't matter where I go or where I've worked. I've met people that I've worked with before, or they knew somebody that I've worked with before. So it's yeah. a real small community, and I would imagine construction's the same way. It's pretty small, small community. Doesn't matter where you're at. So, and you shared a story with me the other day about a guy who said he worked with you. Can Can you tell us that one? You know, you was telling me that you worked with a guy that said he worked with you in Utah, or worked with. Ron Lindsay and you. Oh, yeah. So we were, just the other day, yeah, was, yeah, this guy, he's like, a uh, guy introduced me to him. Hey, this is Ron Lindsay. And he looked at me kind of funny, and he's like, are you Ron Lindsay, the safety guy from Utah? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, you don't look like the guy. But it was another guy apparently named Ron Lindsay that that yeah. uh, he worked with in Nevada that was from Utah as well. And actually he reached out to him later and found out that, you know, yeah, Too different. it's not me. Yeah. Yep, so there's yeah. another Ron Lindsay in the safety world out there. Yeah, and there's yeah. a there's one that works at the gold mine. Yes, yeah, yeah, there's another so, Ron yeah, Lindsay yeah. in the gold mine. Yep. Yeah. It really is amazing how small the world it is inside of construction and even the mining yeah. uh, sector as well, that people rarely leave the industry. They may go from company to company, uh, job to job, but you rarely leave the industry. Yep. And you just it, it's a small world. You run into yeah. people all the time that you've worked with or uh, they yeah. just – they just shifted positions. Yep. Yeah, and I have a, a, a leader now uh, that uh, I met in 2012. You know, and uh, okay, work with him now and a couple other people and uh, some other people from the gold mine. And uh, so yeah, it's just a small community. Yeah, it's and, it, and it's good. It's a good living. That's that's one thing I like. It's I I've never not had a job. Now I moved a bunch, and that was on my my choice. I never had had to move. And so mining's been really good to me. It, it had a good living, I, you know, when I was a kid. Slept inside seven days a week, ate hot food. So, you know, it pri- provided a good living for me and, and, and for my family as well. So, Ron, you, you mentioned this. Uh, I, I had uh, starred a couple lines here in your intro. It said you've been in various positions throughout your career, 30 years that you've been doing this now. And then it listed laborer, long wall, head gate operator, propman, fireballs, beltman, roof bolter, and safety and training. And I didn't know what any of that meant. Yeah. I, I knew laborer and safety and training, but you mentioned the, um, the fireballs. What are some, what are the, what is a long wall head gate operator do? Uh, a long wall is just a, big piece of mechanized equipment that mines coal it's just a, a type of coal mining and it produces a bunch yeah, uh, some places do teeth on it yeah it's got yeah. big drums they're called yeah. shear drums and it goes back and forth cuts about three feet wide and thousand feet cuts long and you just go back okay. and forth and advance out and uh the head gate operator is just a person that it's called the head gate that's where it comes in and it goes off onto the belt and he that person he or she just takes care of that area there so and you have to move up the belt and just different things like that. So I did that for a while. Uh, fire boss is just like a workplace exam person. So if you're familiar with metal, non-metal, you can just have a competent person do a workplace exam. Well, a fire boss, again, you have to have two years, but they do that. That's basically like their workplace exam. They go check for hazards, check for methane. Because in coal, you have to inspect every single place somebody works every eight hours. So that's a constant job. And coal mines have conveyor belts, and you got to shift them uh you know every eight hours as well so that person does that so that's what that would be just kind of like an inspection uh also 
there in safety too. There's weekly exams. You have to you know do different things that way. Uh, roof bolter is in a different area of the mine. So the long wall is it's already developed, and you take the coal out where the roof bolters in an, what's called a continuous miner section. Yeah, and that's where they actually, I guess, make the tunnels and the roadways to get in the mine, and they actually put bolts in the roof to hold the roof up. Hold the roof up. Yeah, so it's just rebar. Different size, yeah. different lengths rebar. Yeah, different gotcha. lengths, different, de- you know, yeah. Just So I did that for a while, and uh, I was actually a pretty good roof bolter, and then they come out with a joystick, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah they're like, you're gonna, we're going to go broke buying roof bolts. You've been too many, and so I got <laughs> out of there. But, yeah, so, yeah, just did a lot of different things, and, uh, yeah, and, and enjoyed it and just kept, like I said, just kept kind of advancing that way and then got into safety. Uh, uh, when I went to uh, New Mexico, got in there. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where my career kind of took off, I guess, so to speak. Was safety the goal? Was that where you wanted to be? Or no, did you... but I was sick of the, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but some of the trainings were terrible, right? Not, I wouldn't say terrible, but just the same old stuff, you know, throw a video in or yeah, just yeah. Rusty will tell you we have to do an annual refresher every year. It's eight hours or know that's that's the minimum requirements eight hours or they would do like an hour safety meeting a month and then after eight months you would get your refresher so I just I thought we could do better that way I'm I'm sick of fatalities happening uh actually there was a a coal mining fatality yesterday in in Alabama yeah and it makes number 30 for the year and if you think about that there's been eight months so that's three 3.75 fatalities a month so far and we're on track for 45 and that's just unacceptable i think the last time we had 45 fatalities in mining was like 2014 yeah, i think and, we were uh, in the 30s 33 last year yeah somewhere around there it yeah. might have been 20 yeah 30 something but it's just it's just unacceptable and it's all the repeat stuff that drives me nuts you know and it's the simple stuff like i want one of the podcasters the thing i watched with bam bam was you know wear your seatbelt. You did that one not too long ago, or I seen it. And yeah. uh, a lot of these fatalities are that people getting ejected, not wearing their seatbelts, or not putting their wheel chocks down. It's just the the simple stuff like that 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 people get killed, and it drives me nuts. And so that that helped me. And there was actually a time when when mines, uh, you know, back in the day, they budgeted for fatalities. Like they 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 literally would say, "Oh, we're probably going to have a fatality, so let's set some money aside for that." And that, and to me, that's I'm not saying that's, I'm saying that's wrong, but it's just I guess how that it was back then, right? It was just, just accepted. Uh, a guy that I really look up to, we call him Z. He's like a father to me, but a, a real good mentor. He used to tell me when he would get when he was a kid. You know, he's old. He mined when everything was made of wood. This guy's old, and uh, but he told me when he was a kid that they'd be getting dressed in the bathhouse, and the boss would come in and just tell him. Hey, look around. Two or three of you will be dead before Christmas. And he said it was true. And so he got into safety and, and started making a difference. And then, you know, I worked for him. He was one of the best bosses I had. And and then when I got to New Mexico, he kind of helped me get into safety there. And and uh, but yeah, so just that kind of stuff to try to change that mentality. Because I started in '92, and you know that wasn't very long ago. But or '93, I mean, that wasn't very long ago. But just the way. I see a huge change in mining, especially safety-wise and leadership-wise. Like when I first started, it was screaming, hollering, that that kind of stuff, right? And 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 now it's more. 
and I like it now because I, I can, I think this is where I'm good at safety is I understand that heart and mind piece, right? You gotta yeah, have some empathy yeah. with people. You gotta do that. It's not about screaming and hollering. And, and back in them days, some of the leaders, they, they just made them bosses because they got stuff done. They didn't ask them how they got it done. They right. just, they just would get stuff done. And so, yeah, that's when I got into safety, that was my goal. I don't want to see any fatalities for sure. And I, and I believe that's what we have to focus on is, is fatality prevention and it'll take care of everything else. I believe and, and, and that's just my opinion. I don't believe on, I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe, but if you just focus on Low somebody hanging. twisting their ankle or hurting their hands, I'm not saying don't focus on that, but you gotta, you gotta try to stop the, fatalities and I think it'll trickle down to catch that other stuff and then you have to be in the field right yeah. you can't you can't just sit behind the desk and do stuff and and uh that's what I like to do I like to be in the field and and and, and coaching people and just talking to them and getting to know them and understanding your employees uh, I, I really like the social style part of it too you know the driver you know the and so just getting out there and understanding your people and then you can talk to them and they'll, and they'll be safe that way, or you can help them yeah. uh, to do that. But, but yeah, so that's what I like. I like, I like to do the training piece. I like hazard recognition. I, I, I believe that's key too. You, you have to, if somebody don't know what a hazard is, they're not going to know how to take care of it. So you got to educate them on that. So. Yeah. Ron, there's so much there that I want to dig into that. I really enjoyed hearing you talk about that the way you did. Number one, I can hear your passion for yeah. what you do yeah. and how you speak about it. There were a couple things there that you mentioned. Number one, I think, I think people, I don't know that everybody understands the burden that a safety manager carries every day. I mean, that may be the only role within a construction company where the only acceptable number is zero. Yep. Like perfection is the goal. Yeah. And the burden of carrying that is, is heavy, I would imagine. And I can hear that as you, you talk about your job, but then the other part of that too. So I want, I want you to talk about that, like the burden you carry as a safety manager. And then I want to dive into what you talked about too, uh, the difference in, in the role today versus what it was when you were coming up. Yeah. So it's just being able to get out and, and, and make them connections, I guess that's the burden. Or there's a lot of paperwork stuff, and I understand that stuff has to be done. I, I know there's that piece to it, you know, the tracking and all that stuff. But I think it's just uh, not being able to get in the field and, and, and talk to the employees and see what they need. You know, and, and, and especially, like, developing SOPs. Like, say, if you're going to develop a SOP for, say, welding, you know, I can write that, but it's probably going to be wrong. I need to go talk to that welder talk to you know he or she and hey i'm writing this sop can you help me and that gives them buy-in too right so then they'll feel like hey i own part of this and, th and they'll help you develop that so you get you get that burden uh my problem i think my problem is is i i don't know if this is the right way to say it but i think i care too much i yeah yeah i i take everything personal i don't want to see anybody get hurt so i want to make sure and there's not enough time in the day again you got all your paperwork stuff you have to do and this and that but it just you got to be in the field and i don't know if that makes sense it makes a lot of sense bam bam <laughs> no, you, can, you can relate to that hard, you know? it, it um it, it it hurts you want it so bad you, you just yeah. want everybody to go home um that's that's what i carry um 
the stuff that I've seen over the years. Um, believe it or not, this has helped me deal with it. Just trying to prevent that stuff from happening yeah. to to my work family, uh, and that's the way I view everybody out in the field. Is that's my work family, and I'm here to take care of them. And that that is a burden within itself. And you know, it seems like it's the stuff that we do every day that that ends up biting us. Uh, it's, it's that's where we get complacent at. That's uh, and you, you know you you don't um, you know in speaking on you know the roles changing as a safety man. I, I it used to be name takers, you know. What, what is your name? Why don't you have your safety glasses on? And who is your supervisor? Uh, yes. And it goes from that to, to now it's coaching. And I like that a lot better. Instead of the safety cop. Instead of the safety cop, it's coaching. Hey, look, let's put our safety glasses on. And this is the why behind it. Yes. You know, and, 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 and tell them why you want to put the safety glasses on. And I'm just using that, you know, uh, safety glasses. I know that's a, a low-hanging fruit, but – it is important that you try to do everything you can to save your eyesight, your vision. Yeah, you only have two, and you can't yeah. replace them. Nope. And, and uh, but you're you're exactly right there because that's one thing. Every role I've taken in safety, that's the first thing I tell them is I will not be a cop. No. And if I had direct reports, my direct reports know they will not be cops either. Right. We're here to coach, right? And you got to be in the field, and you got to coach. And I always bring it back to. I, I bring it back to sports, right? So well, I'll, I'll help Rusty out here, but you remember when Clemson was pound in South Carolina and they were up by 50 points, right? Dabo Sweeney didn't leave. He stayed on the sideline and kept coaching. And so we got to do that. Even if you're at zero or you have a long run of no incidents, you don't just leave, right? You still got to yeah. be in the field. You still got to coach. You still got to do that stuff. And, and yeah, build that respect and, and people will come to you. But if you're out there beating on them, in my opinion, and taking names. Yeah. If yeah. something comes up, they're not going to call you. No, they're, they're not, not going to call. Not. They're going to think it's okay, and 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 it's not okay. And and you got to let them know that it doesn't matter if it's two in the morning or two in the afternoon. You put your wheel chocks down because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and they don't want to listen to that, so they don't call you. They yeah. don't want to listen. They're them. like, oh, Rusty's just going to come out here and pummel me and yeah, and, yeah. and get try to get me in trouble, and you cannot do that. We literally had. Bosses like that. I had bosses like that that would underground. They would turn their cap lamp off, and like try to sneak up and catch you doing something wrong, you know. And that's yeah. not right. But again, that's that's just how it was back in them days. I think that, I, and I think that's a good analogy right there. We go from trying to catch somebody doing something wrong, and now we want to catch people doing something right. That's what we want to see when we pull up. Yeah, you need to reward them, and you yeah. have to have You're that winning. You do like tokens or whatever you want to call it, but some kind of, uh, in, I guess it's kind of an incentive, but, you know, thank them for doing right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and there's them old school folks that say, I'm not going to thank them for doing right because they're doing their job. That's yeah. what we, I, I pay them, so that's what they're, no, that ain't how it is. It's, I don't care how grumpy and ornery you are. If you tell somebody, hey, you did a good job today and I appreciate it, they'll, that, that helps them. Yeah, they'll find purpose in that. Yeah, they'll, they you know, and so, yeah, I, but yeah, Ron, you said something that was really interesting. You, you got into safety because you saw, you were frustrated with the trainings. You were frustrated with how it was working, and you saw an, a problem with it. I thought, you know, a lot of people. I think back in the day, they just ended up in safety. That was, it was just, they just got there because 
that was an open position. We needed somebody in safety. You actually pressed into that space because you identified a problem. Talk to me about that. And, and you said you've seen it change. I want to I want to hear how you've seen that get better. For me, it got better because I, I think I did safety the right way. And I'm not saying other people that went into safety didn't do it the right way. But I started out just as, like I said, just as a hand, right? I just got hired on and, you know, I got told, you know, if you don't work 110%, you're done, right? That's that's just how, like, the kind of the interview process went. Oh, I know your, your old man or, you know, your uncle yeah. and this and that, and this is why you're here. And and so you you do that job, you want to do good, but uh, but I started out and I did all them roles. So now when I get into safety and I can teach an annual refresher or I can talk about hazard recognition, I kind of understand what they're, what they're saying, right? Or what they, I can tell if they're pulling the wool over my eyes, right? Or whatever. And so you can tailor it to that. Plus the way I teach is let them teach the class. I mean, I love to talk. I can sit here and talk till midnight. You know, Rusty knows that. I love doing that. But when you teach a class, if you ask them, the, they'll teach it for you. And yeah, then they, yeah. again, they get that buy-in and it makes it better and it makes it a better a better class. So that, that's what I seen. I was, you know, before, like I said, you just had the videos or, yeah, yeah. or one thing that I hate is when the boss would come in and say, Hey, Brandon told me to tell you guys this. Soon as he said, Brandon told me to tell you this, I wouldn't listen You've because lost. it's not important to him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, you gotta be genuine and, and have that passion and, and get them to get that buy-in. But that's kind of what I seen, and and that's how I wanted to do it. Is I want to, I want people to feel valued, right? I want people to feel valued, and that their voice is heard. And so, in them trainings, that's what you do. And yeah. you're able to speak from experience. You've done it. You've yeah, done it for it, thirty years. You yeah, know, you've done yeah. all the jobs. How has that helped you in the role you're in now? I think just the experience has helped me, and and. Uh, but I fell down a lot too, right? So there's a lot. It's not like I just went in and everything's great. I fell down a lot too, but picked myself up and, and move on and know, hey, don't do that again. That was not very smart. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, just but just to keep moving forward and understanding that times change and people change and and the younger workforce, you have to talk to them different than you do the older workforce. Yep. You know, I can go to if I went to Bam Bam and said, hey, I notice you're not wearing your safety glasses and you could get something in your eye and then you won't see your kids. And, and he's going to be like, what's wrong with you, Ron Lindsay. But if I went to him and said how he needs to hear it, right. Then he would understand it. Cause I know rusty again, that's why you got to know the social styles of the people yeah. and, and how to talk to them. Some people, you, you, you have to talk to them a different way. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Bam, bam. And, and he's fine. fragile. You have to hug oh, him. Yeah. You have yeah. to make oh, him yeah. feel good. Yeah. He'll cry. And <laughs> Ron, how would you approach me on that? Knowing me. Oh, this is going to be good. I'd yeah. say, bam, bam, put your freaking glasses on. You're going to get your eyes yeah, yeah knocked yeah. out, right? And he's going to yeah. understand that that's – and that's just how I would do it with him. And But other people, you wouldn't, you know, uh, you know, hey, Brandon, why don't you have your safety glasses on? Well, they keep fogging up. Well, you're an electrician. You've never worked hard enough to sweat in your life, right? So don't <laughs> give me that, right? Yeah. Or, or maybe they are fogging up. Let's get you a different type, This that kind of stuff. So just it just depends. On, on or just walking up to people and saying, hey, look here, I appreciate you letting somebody else borrow your safety glasses. I'll get you another pair so yeah. that way you, you can have your, you some. You know, this, you, have to, you, you got to know your audience. You got to know them. You absolutely got to know them. Ron, I love that quality about you. You are a man of the, the people, and you, you 
serve the men and women that are out there in the field doing the work every day. Talk to me about what are some of the challenges? You're out in the field, probably not as much as you'd like to be because yeah. you, you have other responsibilities. But when you're out there, what are the challenges that the people in the field are facing right now? I think it's just the, uh, to me, I think it's leadership, right? Maybe they're not getting the full picture or they're getting it secondhand information. But I think far as safety-wise challenges is not feeling and I don't know if it's a challenge, but just not feeling comfortable to come to their supervisor or the safety department and say, hey, I need this or I need that or this isn't working. I just come here and, you know, I get a paycheck and I go home. Maybe it's a pride thing. But I think big, the biggest challenge is, is would be just not feeling comfortable speaking up. You know, and I, I believe in the stop work authority where anybody can stop the job. I don't, yes. you know, you get that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And ah, that just doesn't feel right, and and so they don't dare stop the job, or they get. I used to be the same way when I was a production long wall production foreman. I wanted to mine more coal than anybody else. That was my goal. I didn't ever want to see anybody get hurt, but my 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 job was based on production, and so maybe safety took a step back. Right, I, like I said, I don't think I cut corners or put anybody at risk, but that you, perception you, of me is hey. I'm getting on judged belt. on mining, so I better yeah. mine as much as I can. Put it on the belt, and it, so yeah, you get yep. it on the belt, and you you know you hog it out of there, and 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 that kind of stuff. So I think that a lot of people put that self pressure, perceived pressure, to production over safety, where it can't be like that. It has to be the same. I don't believe in safety first. I don't believe in production first. I believe in safe production. It's the only way, and it has to be that way. Uh, because if you did safety first all the time, right, you're not going to do anything. Well, I'll just okay. sit in a truck and be in the AC because I'm safety's first. But i gotta, I got to meet a budget or a daily goal or whatever it is. But you got to have that safe production. I like and that. And it has to tie together and, yep. and, and that kind of stuff. And, and then it goes back again to the education piece. you got to educate your people. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. I hate the word training, right? I think you train your dog. Yeah, <laughs> and you educate your people, but we—it's easy to say training, but I, I believe that's—it's—it's it's an education. It's not a training, right? It's an education piece. Uh, there's another way I say it, but I won't say it on here. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, I really appreciate the fact that as a safety manager, that you you pointed out the difference between safety first and safe production, because there is a balance there. There's yeah. there's a balancing act. You can be on. You can be too far on one side or the other. You can be too uh, focused on the safety to where you can't actually get the work done. You can't be productive. But then you can also be on this side where you're saying, hey, don't slow down the production. Don't yeah. let the safety get in the way. And I, I appreciate the fact that you – because we've heard that. So we've heard safety first for, for years and years. Yeah, yeah. But that's a better way to look at it, I think. I, yeah, I, and I, I remember yes. – you guys probably remember this, but you'd go in the, in the, in the washroom and – Right on the mirror, have a green sticker on the bottom and safety first. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like, but I've always been taught that that safe, safe production. Right in the washroom is where coal miners go in the shower after, yeah, after they get yeah. done with their shit. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Bam Bam. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. <laughs> washroom. So that was going to be that. I've seen the eyebrows go. Hmm. Yeah. No, we had, um, I remember. Back in a previous job, you know, it was that safety first mindset, and it really became uh, a huge focus for the company. 
to the point to where it, I remember our plant manager saying, I don't have time to crush rock anymore. You know, we don't have yeah. time. We're, we're doing this, we're doing this, yeah. we're doing this. But I think the way that you're talking about it, where it's not training after training, it's education. It's being out there with them on, on the job site, in the mine, and talking to them about the why and what they're doing, why they're doing it, and, and how to do it safely. And it has to start at the top. So when, they, so when them production foremen or superintendents or whoever, they get their KPIs for the year, it, it has to come from that. It's a safe production right you yeah. can't just be a safety person saying hey safe production it has to come from the, the very top and that be part of the supervisor again superintendents kpi that they understand that it is safe production you know yeah. we don't just say hey i want you to mine a million tons of coal a month or, or however many tons of shift right it has to you have to have that safety piece in there as well as as part of that uh, you mentioned something else too. You talked about I, there's probably no construction company that would say we don't believe that anybody couldn't stop the job if they feel unsafe. And every company probably tells their people, hey, if you feel unsafe, you stop production. But yet they're still apprehensive about doing that. They still they still don't feel safe to be able to come up and say, hey, time out. You mentioned that. Why is that? They I, don't believe I, again, it. Again, I believe it's that self pressure that. I want to impress my boss. I want to do a good job. I, you know, I just, I want to get this done and, and that kind of stuff. And so I, I believe it's that self-pressure that they don't believe it's true or they haven't seen it. Right. So you got to, and then thank the person for doing it. If it is, because sometimes yeah. somebody will say, Hey, this isn't safe. And you go look at it and you're like, yeah, it is. But you got to explain to them why it is safe and thank them for still bringing it up. And then I think that'll just catch on, right? But but yeah, I think people just get that uh, that self pressure that hey, I want to do a good job, especially young guys, right? Young yeah, guys and gals yeah. are man. I, I want to make an impression on my boss. I want to do a good job. I'm gonna. I wouldn't dare. I don't want to dare stop it. I yeah, don't, I don't dare. I think we take on that. Yeah. I don't want to be a nickel holding up a dollar mentality. But know? they're actually the best ones because you get complacent, right? I remember my, and I think a lot of people forget this too that. We all had that first week or month at work that was scary. I remember my first time underground. My head was on a swivel, man. Everything was weird to me. It was big. Yeah. It was different smells, different noises. You use all your senses and equipment going, and my head was on a swivel. And then after like two months, I just looked like everybody else. It was just normal. So you get that complacency, but the hazards were the exact same. So if you don't – I think people – see a hazard but if it never hurts them they just get their blinders on so to speak right and they until they get hurt because if you you've been around the investigations and incidents and man i've done that a million times if yeah. you got ever get hurt i've done it that way a million times well you you could have got hurt the first time you just been lucky right so yeah. i think it's that piece too you get complacent or again if you're a, a newer person the you know the older more seasoned crew members might give you grief if you if you raise that, but I, it shouldn't be that way. No. But I guess explaining it to them too, hey, I, we need to stop the job, what's going on here? Hey, this is perfectly fine, or hey, thank you for stopping it. We, you know, we were way out of bounds, but either way, you gotta thank them for doing it. Yeah. And I think it'll catch on. Yeah, they gotta feel safe to be able to do that. Yeah. And how yeah. you respond the first time they do that is gonna set the tone for 
whether or not they ever do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah throw yeah. your hard hat and right. kick what it. The, and what the hell did Yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're doing there. That, again, they're never going to do that again because they that that yeah. outcome they got from it's not good. Ron, you mentioned, I didn't know about the fatality, the mining fatality yesterday, but you mentioned, you know, we've had 30 already this year. Yeah. Have you ever been a part of something uh, like that? Yeah, I've had some fatalities at the mines I've worked at. Never been like a, a part of them, but I've, I've, I've been affected by them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's not good. And uh, and what frustrates me the most, again, is just the repeat ones. No seat. And they're silly. Not I shouldn't say they're silly, but just like not putting your chalk block down. Yeah. Or not wearing your seatbelt. You'll see the pictures of the haul truck that rolled over and the cab's not even destroyed, but the, the guy got slung the around. Guy in got the, cab, the gal yeah. got thrown out of the cab and, and drowning. It's like there's a lot of drownings in mining. It shocks me. Yeah. But uh, you know, just that kind of stuff and and it, and it's the same ones over and over and over, you know. Or you'll have two in a row. So I don't know how anybody else does, but what I do is I I'll read every Every fatality alert, I check it every day, yeah. uh, get emails sent to me. But if it can pertain to us at work or wherever I've worked, we go over that. Hey, this could happen here. What you know? Let's let's talk about it. Watch for this. But you'll see one where a person wasn't wearing his seatbelt, and then two days later, there was another person who wasn't wearing their seatbelt. Yeah. And it's like, did you not share that? Why why aren't we sharing that? And I think what it is, too, is in the MSHA world, we have the 30 CFR, which is a rule book. And I think a lot of people use that, and I shouldn't say a lot, but a lot of companies use that as their safety program. And it shouldn't be. That should be the bare minimum. And it's just compliance, right? It's just making sure you're compliant. So you should have standards way above that. So if you miss your mark, you're still complying with the law, right? And so... I think that's the the thing as well is, you know, or it'll never happen to me, but you've got to have them good safety programs in place. Uh, I believe in the fatal risk stuff, like, you know, what are the, you know, 10 things that could, you know, kill somebody and you have good policies on them because you're trying to prevent fatalities. And then you got to check them. You got to have critical controls in there, go do a critical control checklist or whatever and, and check them. So that's how I look. Just like, for example, like lockout, tagout, we all go and audit, right? Yeah, yeah. And lockout, tagout is usually a life-saving rule and this and that. And and I hear it all the time. Well, I went and checked so-and-so. Not all the time, but I've heard it like, I went and checked so-and-so, and we're going to counsel him because he didn't have a tag on his lock. And that's a life-saving rule. Well, is the not having the tag on there going to get him killed? The, the lock is what He's is got important. his lock on there, and he did his test and try, and everything's in place. Does he need to put a tag on there you're darn right he does but yeah is he gonna get killed no he's not but let's let's coach him and you know do some stuff like that i don't think we need to terminate the employee uh but we need to coach him and, and help him along so I, I think that that's a key to that critical control so just because your lockout tag out is your life-saving rule or your seat belt it or whatever it is you've got to have con- critical controls in there that need to break right to yeah to be, you know, to terminate somebody, in my opinion. But now if you went and there was no lock and, yeah, I don't care, well, yeah, yeah, you need to pack your stuff and go home. But but just because they skipped that step and maybe it's something we didn't teach them right or that. So that's kind of how I look at, at that stuff. But, yeah, that fatality prevention is big. Ron, if you had a crystal ball 
and you were able to look at it and, and, and see where the next incident is going to happen, where would you think that was going to be? I think it would be between equipment and like heavy equipment and light equipment or any type of equipment and, and a pedestrian. It's just that stuff, you know, there's a lot of, that you guys run big equipment. There's a lot of blind spots and, and a lot of things like that. And, you know, people just go into areas. But I think that w- would be the next, if I had a crystal ball, that gets that vehicle and people interaction. Just because it's everywhere, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and there's things that you can do to put in place for it. But, it, again, it s- seems to happen. Uh, you know, there's proximity detection, there's cameras, there's all that stuff, but it has to work. And again, if it's not working, you got to be able to raise your hand and say, Hey, this isn't working. Uh, we, we need to tag that piece of equipment out, but sometimes it don't. But I, I think that's where it would be is that, and then there's a lot of, you know, push towards, you know, we got to get the job done, that kind of stuff. And, and so that, that plays a role into it too. But yeah. I, I think it would be the pedestrian vehicle interaction. I, I like it. First thing I noticed when I pulled in here, because I'm a safety nerd, is like, hey, they all reverse park. How cool is that? Yeah. And yeah. and and that's a great step. There's more people backed over than run over. Yeah. And so the yeah. reverse parking, just uh, why don't you do it? Plus, you're working out a huge screen instead of just a little window, right? Or, you know, you've yeah. got a big windscreen instead of your rear view mirror, and so you can see a lot better. So, yeah, just that kind of stuff. But th- I would think it would be that. Yeah. Yeah. And you? I don't know if you see what that in you, construction. Man, man? I agree with him. Uh, I I know that we're on sites, um, and yeah, if you walk out there, you know it, it looks like somebody kicked over a fire ant mound. You got electricians, plumbers, you know. And if you tell if you tell somebody, "Hey, go over there and get me a piece of conduit," they are not looking when they walk across our hall roads to go get that piece of conduit. So you have to impress upon your operators, please, please watch because they're not you have to assume that they're not watching and that and that then them trucks are huge and they have no visibility right I, I liked one thing we used to do when i worked in new mexico we had some big haul trucks and we would we'd park a haul truck and then we'd put about 10 or 15 road cones spaced out you know and you would ask the employees how many cones are there and you know they'd count them and then we'd have them get in the truck how many you see now well three yeah that's all a big huge blind spot and yeah. uh so when you approach this truck, you need to approach from this direction or call in or whatever because they cannot see you. And if they run you over, they're not going to feel you. Right? Yep. So they're not going to know. And, and yeah, so I, 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 I worry about that. That's what keeps me awake at night is the big equipment. Yep. Or when I worked around the big equipment, that's what, what keeps me awake. That's a lot to carry, Ron. And I appreciate what you do for not just – people for the industry i mean and and when we talk about the burden of the safety manager role that's that's it it's personal to you you carry that it keeps you up at night i I remember we had a uh, information session here and we were talking to some high school students that were considering going you know right into construction when they graduated from high school well they came to the to the session and their parents were with them and at the end of it i never will forget this the mom of one of the boys that was in the class came up to me and she said, if my son works here, can you promise me he's going to be safe? And I thought, that's heavy. That's heavy. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and when I go in the field too, when I coach people too, I'll do that. And I, and I think I've told Rusty this before, but if I see somebody doing something and it kind of looks out of bounds, that's what I ask myself is, 
I have two girls. I, I ask myself, would I let one of my girls do that? And if the answer is yes, I just walk away. That yeah. person's doing a good job. And But if the answer is no, then you have to go stop that because just what you just said, that person has a mom and a dad that doesn't want them to get hurt either. Mm-hmm. And it's my, not just my responsibility, I'm accountable for that as well. Big difference between responsibility and accountability, I think. Yeah. And so I need to stop the job. And, and they may be doing it right, And but if it just doesn't feel right to me, I stop it. Hey, let's talk about what you're doing. And maybe Again, just the, the question needs to be asked, is there a better way? Can we find a better way? Yeah, there's way always a better yeah. way. Always yeah. a better way. I worked at a site where I, uh, they wanted to do away with all the ladders. I think the two biggest misused piece of equipment in, a, in the mining industry is an electrical extension cord and a ladder. And I thought, man, if we take away the ladders, they're going to be standing on their shoulders and five-gallon buckets. But it wasn't that way. We, you know, we... We decided that, hey, let's try to get rid of these. There's a lot, a lot of different things, like just for these lights. They'd make little plug-in man lifts that'll just raise you up. You don't have to get on a ladder. Yeah. They're actually flat. And I don't know if you bought a ladder. They're expensive. Yeah. And them lifts aren't much more. And uh, they're they're easy to use. So there's there's always a better way to do something. Yep. Yep. Ryan, you talked about the uh, next generation coming up and the changes. It's, it, you mentioned how we communicate with them and having to slow down and explain the what and the why behind what we're asking them to do. You also talked about, you said this line earlier, you said it's been a good living. Construction's been a good yeah. living. What would you tell that uh, next generation of construction workers about why to get into this business? Why, why get into mining? I, I would tell them exactly that because it is a good living. It, it, there's always work. There's always going to have to be construction. There's always going to have to be mining, right? They kind of go hand in hand, right? So we get the copper. You guys, it gets made into cable. You lay it down or, you know, you take that material that's mined and you build stuff with it. And, and so they're all, and, and, and they're good, high-paying jobs, good benefits. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and if you want to go to school and, and become an engineer, they need them too, right? So it's not just... A bunch of truck drivers, welders, equipment operators, that kind of stuff. There's, you know, you need IT support. You need, you know, accounting. You need all that stuff and, and engineers and all that. So it's it's just a good living. And it's and just like Rusty talked about, it's a family, right? And I'm sure other industries are the same way. I'm just partial to the mining because, like I said, I have lifelong friends that that, that, that you just work through that. So that's what I would tell them. Another thing I would tell them is you have to have, and I and I, I didn't do this at first, but you've got to have a work-life balance. Don't work every day of your life. I know the overtime's great and it's nice, but when you become an old geezer like me, right, or old pant shitter, that's what I call myself now because I'm old. <laughs> but you're younger I, than I, me. I, I, uh, and, and sometimes I get emotional on this, but I really can't remember my kids' elementary years, and it, and it's sad because yeah. I worked all the damn time, you know. And so, anyway, but uh, yeah, I would tell them that it's a good living, good benefits. You'll always have work. You may have to move around. I probably could have stayed. My best friend that uh, I started with, uh, he still works at the same mine we started at, so I could have stayed there. But you know, it was my choice to move. Uh, but I've always been in my benefited myself and my family but that that's one thing i would say good living and then you gotta have a work-life balance it's not about the new truck or the new boat all the time you, that that because your kids are going to grow fast and they're gone 
and uh, it, it, it's hard. So you want to you want to have them memories. So I, I would say that. That's good advice. Yeah, good advice. Ron, you got any uh, good stories on Bam Bam? No. Well, I took him. I got actually got him scared. So we went to we went to New Mexico. I took him out there. Oh, he was looking God. at some mine, <laughs> some mine rescue stuff, and we we lived in the Four Corners area. That's where we went. And uh, anyway, we, I took him up to uh, Silverton, Colorado, and it's a pretty narrow windy road they call it the million dollar highway and there's no yeah. guardrails and big cliffs and he was actually kind of scared yeah and, and then he was hanging the back end of that car off of that <laughs> off of that boy and i was like mm, mm. a little nervous oh yeah 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 the seat that i was sitting in was not the same on the rental car when we turned it back in. <laughs> <laughs> but now we we that was a good good story uh and i I remember the first time I went to there, I went and interviewed at the gold mine, and, and I think Rusty was one of the first people I ran into, and, and he was just, you could just tell I wanted to go work there because he was like, hey, this is a good place. I need your help. This is what we want to do on the rescue side. And, and so just that impression, right? So that that's what I got from him, and, and he has that same passion. And, of course, you know you work with him. but Big old teddy bear. Yes, oh, he yeah. is. Yeah. And Ron is Ron. I've I've actually sat through uh, one of Ron's uh, or some of Ron's training education education education. Yeah, and uh, man, he's a jam up instructor. Man, he's he's one of those that keeps you keeps you on the edge. You see it. He's got war stories, but not too many. Uh, involves the class. Uh, he gets the class up, gets them involved, and in it. it's it's uh, it's a pretty good experience. Good training, yep. good training, good mentor to me. Am I the only one that finds the irony in the fact that the safety manager's dream job is to be a rodeo clown? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that about you, Ron. Yeah, I, I just remember putting that down. I, I like, like I said, I'm scared of all that stuff, but I, I, I like rodeo. I had a cousin that rodeoed, and uh, I follow it quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to do that. I guess not the clown. I want to be a bullfighter. Yeah, okay. you know, that's better. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah, that's safer. Ron. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. It's it's really impressive. You've had an impressive career, but I really uh, admire and appreciate the passion you have for your role as a safety manager and what you do every day for the men and women that are out there in the field. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys in, inviting me. It was a great experience and a world-class facility here you have. Really, you do. So Thank you, Ron. Appreciate you. We'll have to have you back. Absolutely. Yeah. Returner. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for digging in with us on this episode of Give Us the Dirt, powered by HGC. If you liked what you heard, make sure you leave us a rating and a review and subscribe now on our Apple, Spotify, or YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. To share feedback or suggest our next guest, visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com.